You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios, local, state, national. Man, we're covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hour number three today, tomorrow being Friday. By the way, we've got a guest that's going to be in studio with us tomorrow. Pretty excited about this. Uh, Annette Funderburk is the... um, the chancellor of Ingram State Community College, which a lot of people have not heard of because it's a special community college, two-year system uh, designed just to educate inmates. It's, it's, a, it's got a unique program. It's making waves. It's doing great things. Uh, Annette Funderburk and I have known each other for a few years. Uh, I had her in a podcast that I used to do uh, about three years ago, and um, it's fascinating. So tomorrow she's going to be in studio with us, making a trip up here to the Right Side Studios. She'll sit in, and we'll talk through that. You're going to want to you're going to hear that because to me, it's one of those best kept secrets, good news stories. Yes, there are good things happening with inmates in Alabama, despite what the news might say. And one of the best things happening is some of the stuff that comes out of Ingram State. So y'all stay tuned for tomorrow. We will have uh, Annette Funderburk from Ingram State in studio with us. Um, by the way, before I get too far down the road. I got to tell y'all, if you have not been to Just Love Coffee Cafe, you need to. Like, for instance, maybe you get a lunch break. I don't know about y'all. A lot of times I'm still at my desk eating a sandwich. Charlene makes my lunch for me every day. I wish that I could get out the house. If I get out the house, one of the places that I would love to be at is Just Love Coffee Cafe. And, And yes, is it coffee? Sure they have coffee. I mean, it's Just Love Coffee Cafe, right? But their menu, like, look at this. I mean, go down. It's, by the way, it's not a normal menu. You're not getting the burger at the drive-thru, all right? You're not getting the usual old, you know, submarine sandwich put together with, you know, lettuce, tomato, ham, what else you want. You know, nothing like that. How about the, uh, you can get the grilled Italian caprice. That's mozzarella cheese, basil, pepper jack cheese, sliced tomatoes served on sourdough with a side of balsamic vinaigrette, chips and a pickle spear, and grilled in a waffle iron. Love that. You made me hungry. I, I, so I could tell. <laughs> you got a mouthful of something going over there. <laughs> or how about one of my favorites, the Jive Turkey Wrap, a flour tortilla with turkey, bacon, provolone cheese, spinach, and creamy pepper jelly spread served with chips and a pickle spear. Mm. I'm telling you, their menu is, is great. they got a great breakfast menu. Yeah, check them out. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And please, when you check out, Tell them, hey, by the way, I heard about this on Right Side Radio. That goes a long way. Um, okay, moving to number two of the Triple Dipper in the last hour. I'm just now getting to number two. <laughs> by the way, before I do that, <laughs> because, hey, why start? Before I move to number two on the Triple Dipper, let me refer back to number one of the Triple <laughs> Dipper because the House is now taking the vote on the 10th attempt to elect Speaker uh, of the House uh, Kevin, as Kevin McCarthy. Um, he hasn't lost yet, but he's going to. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's, that's happening as we speak. They are now calling the roll. Uh, the, uh, the nominations were made from the floor again. Uh, McCarthy, uh, Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries, and then two additional Republicans, Representative, uh, Kevin Hearn and, uh, Representative Byron Donalds. Um, so there you go. Um, all right. Number two of the triple dipper. 
military moves. There are things that are happening right now in the military world uh, that, that to me are worth note, man. I mean, there's, there's some significant things happening. And I don't mean just conflict-oriented. I mean, I'm talking about military policy and, and foreign relations that deal with military that, um, that are significant in and of themselves. If you track international affairs, then some of what I'm about to go over, or for that matter, military policy, then some of what I'm about to go over should pique your interest, especially knowing this audience. We have a ton, ton of veterans in this audience who text in regularly, by the way. We also have a ton of listeners I know who, who may not call the show, but I get feedback from them by email and, and on social media. And then we got all you green suitors out there at Redstone and all the defense contractors. And then we got Anderson Army Depot, Maxwell Air Force Base, tons of National Guard and a veteran community. All right. Military moves. First story out the gate, military.com, which is usually pretty liberal when it comes to policy issues. But this one is a superior reporting. Poland has just signed a deal to buy its second batch of Abrams tanks. Now, the, the, uh, the Abrams tank is, is, is the premier battle tank in the world. Um, and it's, by the way, it's, it's like at version SEP4, I believe, or they're heading that way. Uh, enhanced uh, guidance or, excuse me, uh, sighting systems, targeting systems, uh, got capabilities that just outpace anything else on the battlefields around the world. And Poland, just last year, signed a $4.7 billion agreement to acquire 250 upgraded M1A2 Abrams that are going to be delivered in the year 2025. Well, they're also awaiting delivery, by the way, of U.S. HIMARS artillery systems, and they've already received Patriot missile batteries, and they just signed another $1.4 billion deal yesterday uh, at a military base in Wysola, Poland, near Warsaw to deliver another 116 M1A1 Abrams tanks. So they're buying a bunch of upgraded M1A2s, older M1A1s, and they're outfitting their Polish army in NATO fashion. So, so the, the standard right now across the board is becoming U.S. arms sales uh, in NATO countries. That's, uh, that's big doings, y'all. That's, that's, if, if you're paying attention to, I mean, when you do standardization of military across, across the board, when, like, for instance, if, if 5.56 five, for the long guns and, and, you know, 9 mil for the sidearms is uniform across the board, then it doesn't matter where you are, you can get ammo, all right? What about systems? If, if you have your allies using the same systems you do, compatibility becomes an issue. Parts supply becomes uh, lack of, there's not, there's not as much of an issue. Ammunition becomes less of an issue. And oh, by the way, coordinated capabilities, because you know what their capabilities are, because you have the same on the battlefield that can, that can make a difference in terms of planning and execution. So Poland signed a deal to buy another batch of Abrams tanks on top of HIMARS artillery and Patriot missiles. Wow. Okay. Military stuff. What else we got? Russia. Which, by the way, the interesting thing about the Ukraine war, if you can say there's been some interesting things, the interesting thing is how much we've learned about Russia's capabilities or lack thereof. You know, we, we have seen that their equipment cannot withstand what they said it could. We've seen that their troops cannot do the things they said they could. Uh, we've seen that their logistics trains, their leadership, uh, their execution, their, um, their strategies, their tactics – Nothing what we thought it was going to be, um, which is very interesting. But one of the things they have done, though, is Russia 
has a hypersonic missile-armed ship that is now actually patrolling the global seas. So storyline from military.com again, January 4th, yesterday. Russian President Vladimir Putin on Wednesday sent a frigate armed with the country's latest Zircon hypersonic missile on a transocean crew in a show of cr- cruise in a show of force as tensions with the West escalate over the war in Ukraine. Russia says the Zircon missile can evade any Western air defenses by flying at an astounding 7,000 miles per hour. Good Lord. There's a reason why they call it hypersonic. Uh, the ship is called the Admiral Gorshkov. It's the first ship in the new series of frigates designed to replace the aging Soviet fleet. It's armed with an array of missiles. Uh, it's 130 meters or 427 feet long, has a crew of about 200. Um, and it uh, has been the main testbed for the Russian Zircon missile. That's the seaborne hypersonics. Uh, Zircon is intended to arm cruisers, frigates, and submarines and can be used against both enemy ships and ground targets. And they also say, by the way, that they can, uh, they can hit... Uh, uh, basically anywhere they want to, uh, once they're in open waters, uh, they can take out our command and control nodes, they claim. Um, so as we watch tensions rise because of our contributions to Ukraine, Russia's trying to show off and say, yeah, but we're patrolling right now with capabilities that you don't fully have. Um, there's that. Uh, last one before the break, I think. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but the other day we had a U.S. reconnaissance plane flying in um, over open airspace, and a People's Liberation Army Navy fighter pilot not only buzzed our plane, but literally came within 20 feet of the nose of our plane. 20 feet. Now, 20 feet, I can spit 20 feet, all right? So I'm just saying, if you can... If you can, and, and they can do this, I mean, I, I get it. And it's cool to watch it on uh, Top Gun where they fly right over the top and take a picture of the Soviet pilot. But but when you're really in the air and you're the pilot of the recon plane and a, uh, um, an opposition fighter pulls up and then parks himself 20 feet off your nose, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty incredible. Well, Coffee or Die magazine... Coffee or Die magazine says uh, the Chinese military officials now have fired back and say that it was just the opposite, that the Navy fighter pilot was dangerously buzzed by a U.S. Air Force spy plane. Let me just, let me just explain something. The spy plane has far fewer maneuverability and speed characteristics than the, than the fighter plane did. So the idea that the fighter plane sat there innocently and suddenly this reconnaissance plane, this, you know... Flew in and buzzed us. We didn't know what was happening. Please stop. Please. We actually have it on film, by the way. Um, So, yeah, in a release issued Thursday, U.S. officials have uh, alleged that their U.S. crew um, took evasive actions to prevent a collision when the Chinese fourth-generation fighter came within 20 feet of their nose. But the China's Southern Theater Command, they released uh, an 18-second video on social media claiming that they had deliberately had to change their flight altitude to avoid the reconnaissance plane flying dangerously. Whatever. All I know is tensions are high in the air. Um, uh, and China is uh, something to be watched right now. That's our near-peer adversary on the world stage. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a break right now. We'll come right back. I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper, military moves. And the vote is underway for the 10th round of votes on the Speaker of the House. We'll tell you how that's going when we get back from the break. Phil Williams. Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hearing that bump music, by the way, reminds me that uh, um, JT from Lacey Springs just texted him a minute ago and says uh, he's he's nominating Ted Nugent to be uh, Speaker of the House. <laughs> I don't know they can handle it in D.C., man. Uh we had him on the show, Ted Nugent, on the show a while back. It's still in our podcast, I guess, in the Boomer. Yeah. Uh, it's there. It's there. Um, so, yeah, Ted Nugent was on our show, what, August? Is that when we had him? I think it was yeah, August. Somewhere in there. Yeah. And uh, and Charlene, my wife, said afterwards, that man's a force of nature. I said, yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, that, was a, that was a good interview. I enjoyed that one thoroughly. Um, and uh, and we've got the audio and the video, so it was it was pretty cool. Is that where is it? Where else is it posted besides podcasts? Can they get the uh, the video anywhere? Is that is that available? The video is on our website. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it is on I our website. I'm not sure if we were doing it uh, on YouTube or not at, by that point. It was either YouTube or I don't think so. Okay, so it's we probably still a website. On, I think we're still using the old WordPress website at that point too, weren't we? Yeah, I think we already transferred everything over. Okay. I'll, I'll double check that. All right. All right. It's worth checking out, though, um, because it was a lot of fun. Uh, we cracked up. Um, and, you know, he, he was a hoot. He, he, did, uh, he did keep it to where we didn't have to bleep too many words, <laughs> except during the breaks. <laughs> during the breaks. We just had to cut out the whole breaks. Yeah, during yeah, the breaks, we had to just, for, just forget the breaks. Um, uh, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I got to tell him too, uh, Ted Nugent. Uh, I got to tell him about um, when I got his autograph in Baghdad, which was uh, uh, very cool. Two thousand four. Uh, literally found out that Ted Nugent was going to be at Division Maine over at uh, they call it Camp Victory, and um, he and Toby Keith, and uh, and so we we had reason to have to be there. I, I had I had sometime in the very near future to go draw more op funds for my team to operate uh, in Central Baghdad. Uh, which meant going to division finance, and um, and that's no small thing. I mean, when you say, like, it would be the equivalent of driving about 25 or 30 miles here at home, which took hours uh, because, um, first of all, Baghdad uh, was one massive traffic jam after another. It was also we, 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 we had to bypass multiple IED strikes. Um, we had to roll through the green zone, which is a checkpoint in, checkpoint out. Uh, we had all kinds of things in our way. Finally got there because I had found out the day before. How did I get on this, Boomer? But I had found out like the day before that Ted Nugent and Toby Keith were going to be there. They had kind of kept it quiet because they didn't want people like me bringing our people across the war zone to see a concert. But I did have business, and it was real. All right? Real business. I had to go draw another couple of hundred thousand dollars in cash to use for op funds. Um, so we, <laughs> I told my guys, I said, here's the deal. Uh, we had a security detail that we worked with a lot from the mortar platoon. We called them shooters. The shooters, I said, tell shooters, we got a mission. We're rolling out tomorrow morning. We're going to the, we're going to victory at camp victory. And then, um, Toby Keith and Ted Nugent, everybody went, what? And I said, Roger that we're going, don't say a word, just get her done. So we got lined up convoy, had about, uh, eight vehicles roll out gun trucks and all. And it was a mess getting there. It was one of the worst drives through Baghdad that we had had. And we arrived just in time, just in time, to hear either Toby or, or, or Ted, I don't know which one, say, thank y'all, we love you, y'all stay safe. <laughs> they walked off the stage. <laughs> we're like, what? I mean, we're literally, we rolled up, and I told my guys, I said, we'll do business later, go to the concert. And then we heard them yell that. And we're like, crap. And so we're standing there, all hangdog and feeling bad for ourselves and trying to take our body armor off and whatever. 
And here comes Toby Keith and Ted Nugent walking right up. And they literally walked right in front of me. And they got on this armored bus that was going to take them back to the next uh, you know, place they were going to play or whatever. I looked at one of my guys. His nickname was Animal. I said, Animal, sir, team needs autographs. I'm on it. He just went and got on their bus. <laughs> he literally, he just went and got on their bus and, uh, and came back a little later, and he's passing out autographs. So I got Ted Nugent's autograph, and it's sitting right behind me here in the studio on the shelf on the wall behind my head. Um, cool story. Tony wow. from Piedmont says he's all in for Ted, so uh, glad of that. Um, Chris from Gadsden just texted in um, regarding that story about Russia having hypersonic missiles, because I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper, Military Moves, which I'll wrap up again when we come back from the next break, because uh, I had to tell my Ted Nugent story. But uh, Chris from Gadsden says, so how do we know that Russia has hypersonic missiles that actually work? We don't. We don't. Uh, great question, Chris, but we, we don't. Uh, all we can do is look at this and go, well, they've tested them. They say they worked, and they're now carrying them in open waters off of our coast. So we're going to have to go ahead and assume for the sake of security and uh, propriety that they work. Um, and if they don't, great. But you don't want to be the guy who goes, well, I didn't think they'd work, and they did. Um, so anyway, it's the uh, it's the next stage of arms uh, arms race is, is the hypersonics. One of the next phases of the arms race. All right, I, you, you see how much I got done in my dipper that time. <laughs> got a lot. We we really jumped in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I got more. I got more. There's we, more. There's more. Hey, there's a lot more. You're looking at it. And another another dipper in my hands right here. I'm, I'm showing the world. I got stories. I got stuff. I got highlights. Stay tuned for those stories. <laughs> I'm excited to hear them. All right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Coming down to the final half hour. Y'all stay tuned. Military moves. We'll talk about it. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right this show covers some territory i'm telling you right now way down south of birmingham to up north of huntsville tuscaloosa back to gaston parts of georgia tennessee and mississippi all thrown in just for good measure hey before i go any further i gotta tell you you hear me talk about riley and jackson law firm so riley and jackson these are friends of mine i know these folks personally a great firm a major firm they work out of birmingham but they cover the entire state Riley and Jackson, they wanted me to let y'all know, if you were one of those folks who has been at Camp Lejeune between the years of 1953 and 1987, big spread there, 
and you may have been a service member, a dependent, a contractor, there for training, permanent duty station, doesn't matter. But if you were there for a period of time in those years, 53 to 87, you may well have been exposed to what has been confirmed to have been a, a water contamination that has um, caused up to 19 different major illnesses. they got like five lawyers working on this. If you want to call them, they will talk you through the process and see whether or not you qualify for a claim. That being said, they are also working on something else they wanted me to tell you all about. If you were a firefighter or if you were in the military working with firefighting foam, you may well have been exposed to a carcinogenic form of firefighting foam that, um, that, that, that it's bad stuff, man. And, uh, and they're working that case, too. So here's the thing. Either one of those things or anything else for that matter, they've, they've built a career on helping people be made whole after the negligence of others. And, and this is a firm, by the way, I've worked with them on issues. I've worked with them on cases. And they are not just good on the law. Uh, they're good in politics, too, if you know what I mean. Riley and Jackson, they will not charge you for the phone call. They won't even get paid unless they get a payment for you. So check it out. Riley and Jackson, here's the phone number. Ready? 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson out of Birmingham. 205-879-5000. Doesn't matter where you are in the state. Give them a call. They'll talk you through it and see what you qualify. And by the way, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. No representation made the quality legal service performance greater than the quality legal service for the lawyers. Ooh, that was a really fast one. That felt like I got it in faster than 2.7. You know what? We'll just say that. I'm just going to say it is. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's good. Boom hey, shakalaka. Real quick, before you move on, I know John's probably going to text in and stuff, but before you <laughs> on, did you hear about the Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin? I think he has a Yes. Awakened. Yes, I did. What a great news story, too, by yes. the way. Um, I and just... and, and I, apparently he woke up and the first thing he said was, did we win? Right. He asked the question. I mean, that, that's which, by the way, that's just kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of cool. And uh, so I don't know what his status is. I haven't heard anything. Have you heard any more, Boomer? Have you, have you? I haven't heard any more. I just saw a couple of news articles pop up um, on the computer, and I think I saw something on the screen up here. But yeah, praise God. Need to need to dig into that. But man, I'm so glad he's awake, and I know his team is too. I mean, how? I mean, just seeing your teammate on the field like that and then having CPR performed right. on him. I mean, but now he's awake and stuff. So that's that's awesome. That is awesome. That's that's awesome. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me do some more here in number two of the Triple Dipper. So military moves, things that are happening. Uh, some of this is foreign policy, but it relates to military posturing. So right now, China is deemed to be an aggressor in the Pacific region. All right. They're they're doing things like. Uh, in the South China Sea, they're building their own islands. Have you heard this? Why would they do that? Well, because they want to have strategic basing, but they also are of the, the belief that, <laughs> that no one's going to say anything about it if they expand their territorial waters because they now have new land masses from which to measure. Because that's the way it usually works. You measure from the land mass uh, out. Well, if they build a new island, they're, they're moving the goalposts, basically. That's ridiculous. But then they're also doing things across the entire Indo-Pacific, and they are seen as what we call our near-peer adversary right now in the world. And they're, they've, got a, they've got a Belt and Road uh, initiative right now that's designed to sort of grab hold of other nations and help develop them in return for a little quid pro quo. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is the advancement of the Chinese mission. Well, something that came out of another story on military.com. That's, a, that's three stories in a row. Anyway, military.com has a piece. The U.S. moves to reopen the Solomon Islands embassy to counter China. 
Well, okay, Solomon Islands. I'm not even sure that I knew that we used to have an embassy in the Charlotte, Charlotte Solomon Islands, but apparently we closed it at some point, uh, you know, after the uh, the fall of the Soviet uh, Union because it was deemed unnecessary. Well, the Biden administration, according to military.com, dated yesterday, is plowing ahead, it says, with plans to reopen the U.S. Embassy in the Solomon Islands in a bid to counter China's increasingly increasing assertiveness in the Pacific. Um, says the State Department has informed Congress it will soon establish an interim embassy in the Solomon Islands capital of Honiara on the site of the former U.S. consular property. So a consulate is different than an embassy. They're going to call this an actual embassy. There will be an ambassador, I guess, to the Solomon Islands. It says the modest embassy will at first be staffed by just two American diplomats and five local employees at a cost of $1.8 million. A more permanent facility with larger staffing is eventually envisioned. Um, so why are we doing this? Well, because China's got growing influence there. And, oh, by the way, uh, post-Cold War, we kind of pulled back from the Solomons. This is out in the Pacific. And since that time, like I said, China's rise as a regional and global power in the whole Indo-Pacific region, well, it includes the Solomon Islands. Since we first announced our plan to reopen the embassy in February, the nation, the Solomon Islands, moved ahead with a security pact with China. Really? Yes. So here we are saying that we're going to come back and make our presence known, and they're going to like, yeah, it's cool, but we're going to sign a security pact over here with China. Um, sparking fears, according to this article, that the, that the Chinese may actually be intent upon establishing a military base there. Um, they've also increased China has their economic and infrastructure assistance to the Solomons, like they've done in other Pacific Island chains. So the Pacific Islanders, who are too often neglected, I mean, we've had the Philippines, you know, that we worked with for years, and then they, they wanted us kind of out. Um, that's great. But uh, now we're seeing China's influence. Uh, and it comes with a price tag, I guarantee you. Um, here's another one. All right, for all you defense contractors, all you federal contract employees, pay attention. Big news. Defense Daily uh, has a piece that came out yesterday, um, which I haven't seen reported anywhere else. But it says, in a majority opinion, a panel of judges for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit found President Biden overstepped his authority by using the Procurement Act to require virtually all federal contract workers be vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, this has been enjoined already, um, and it's been enjoined in another circuit um, more recently. But what we're seeing here now is we're seeing a plurality. A plurality of the circuits are beginning to come together with their own rulings, and they're all of the consensus that, hey, Biden, you know what? You can't do this. In fact, the, 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 the ruling is just so well written. Uh, I'm enjoying this. It says, here's the quote from the majority opinion from the uh, Fifth Circuit. The president asked this court to ratify an exercise of proprietary authority that would permit him to unilaterally impose a health care decision on one-fifth of all employees in the United States. We declined to do so. <laughs> uh, that's, that's called a legal smackdown is what that was. That was not even – that was – that was the Chuck Norris roundhouse kick from a judge right there is what that was. Um, it says the December ruling keeps in place an injunction against the contractor mandate that had been issued by a federal district judge in Western District of Louisiana. So it had been enjoined by a lower court. It was on hold. The injunction was appealed by the Biden administration to the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit came back and go, uh, no. Um, 
I love the, the, the final words here, too. The majority held, quote, hypothetically, the president could mandate that all federal employees uh, reduce their body mass index below a certain number on the theory that obesity is a primary contributor to unhealthiness and absenteeism. Under the government's theory of the case, the only practical limit on presidential authority in this sphere is the executive's ability to tie policy priorities to a notion of economy or efficiency. In other words, what they're saying is, if we don't stop him now, he can do anything. He can come back and go, yeah, you know what? If you smoke cigarettes, you can't be a federal employee, a contract employee. Uh, if you eat Twinkies, you cannot be a contract employee. Um, if you don't believe what we believe about LGBTQ, then you're out. No, it can't happen. Um, okay, a couple of stories here. If you're not familiar with the Wagner Group and you're inclined to military issues, then get familiar with the Wagner Group. I say that because the other Russian army is the sort of independent Wagner Group. They're basically Putin's mercenaries. When you watch a movie and you see these things about the private army, you know, this is that. The Wagner Group is not just a bunch of guys um, who are former commandos that are now getting paid big bucks to go do clandestine missions. No. The Wagner Group is a whole other army that can disavow connectivity to the Russian flag in order to do things that Russian government can't get away with. They can go places and they can, you know, basically bring the hammer down in a way that no organized nation should ever do because it could be called into The Hague and, and tried in international court. That's the Wagner Group. The Wagner Group has not just armed men. They have tanks. They have armored vehicles. They are a full-on assault force. They are not small. They are tens of thousands. So the Wagner Group is run by a guy named Yevgeny Prigozhin. Yevgeny Prigozhin is uh, Putin's like right-hand man. He heads up the Wagner Group. Prigozhin is, according to the article here from 1945.com, is the ultimate hardliner and a fierce nationalist, and he reportedly has Putin's full confidence. While Russian army sputters and his navy sinks, the Wagner Group has cultivated an image of ruthless competence. So here's the thing. I got two articles. The one from 1945 goes on to say, but the Wagner Group's reputation is overblown. While Defense One, in my left hand, has a headline that says, a senior White House official has said that Wagner mercenaries are more aggressive than the Russian military. Now, that may be true. Because Prigozhin has T-90 tanks, he has other armored vehicles, and he has, he's a shadow mercenary force that has been doing things the way he wants to do it without having to worry about what the generals say. or what, He can do things, like I said, without waving the flag. And that's a dangerous place to be when you have that. I can understand having contractors doing occasional small missions or one-offs or clandestine work, but when you have a full-on army and just call it the Wagner Group, and it's run by a billionaire, hardline old-school Russian activist who's loyal to Putin, that's a dangerous place to be. So be aware, 1945.com says that the Wagner Group cut its teeth in Africa, uh, but that it says that all it ever did was take down a weaker force uh, as opposed to truly you know, being a force to be reckoned with on the major world stage. Well, I don't know. Right now we do know this. The Wagner Group is in Ukraine, and the White House is saying – they are more aggressive than the average Russian soldier. Uh, probably because they're being paid a lot more, too. One of the things that also came out, though, was the Wagner Group is sometimes staffed with Russian prisoners. So they'll, 
Putin will allow prisoners to be taken out of the prisons, sent to the Wagner Group, who will then plus them up and send them out on the battlefield, and they don't care what happens to them. So anyway, the whole thing is weird, um, and it's, it's, it's kind of beyond the pale. I recognize that we have groups like Blackwater and, and others, Triple Canopy and some of the others that uh, pay big money to send you overseas and do some stuff, uh, but most of that is small fry by comparison to what the Wagner Group does. Last thing I got. Last thing I got in military moves. What's happening with Space Command? So I've been looking, looking and looking. The last article I can even find is dated December 9th, and it's by a Colorado local news source. KRDO.com out of Colorado Springs says literally, New information indicates the three-year controversy over whether to keep the U.S. Space Command at Peterson Space Force Base in Colorado or move it to Huntsville, Alabama, should be decided before the end of the year. Was it? No. (laughs) It was not. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're watching to see how Congress is going to come together. I don't know. But right now, General James Dickinson, who said back in late November, um, the decision will be coming out shortly, said it should be done by the Secretary of the Air Force by the end of the year. Um, hadn't happened yet. Well, that's kind of classic for the Biden administration. We'll just wait and watch. So all of y'all who are wondering, is Alabama going to be the host for Space Command, especially you guys who are listening right now in the Huntsville area? I think the answer is still probably yes, but it's kind of like waiting for Speaker of the House to be elected. It just ain't there yet. And we're waiting and we're watching. There's that. Number two, Triple Dipper, military moves. Boomer, take me to a break. We'll go take it. We'll come right back. We got plenty more tomorrow. I suspect that we'll also have, I don't know, maybe Congressional Chess Part 4 tomorrow (laughs) because Speaker of the House is a big, hairy deal. And they are still voting. And, oh, by the way, the 10th vote, McCarthy's already lost. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. That just felt mellow, man, coming back into Hotel California. I don't think I expected that. That was a, that was a surprise. <laughs> I just wanted it to be a little mellow, I, just, I, I, was ready to, I was ready to rock to, like, some Guns N' Roses, <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's like go oh. riding with the windows down in the car. Oh. With the wind in your face. Oh, Yeah. That's I was thinking that because in our studio right now it's so hot. I it just needed some air. Or it is so hot. There are so many things. <laughs> we have two TVs. We have five computer screens. We have two computers. We have multiple servers, and we have me blowing out hot air left and right. So it is like we always. In fact, we open the door to the studio, and it's like twelve degrees cooler right outside the door to the studio. Mm-hmm. We got to figure this out, Boomer. I'm gonna start getting fans in here. Okay. All right, here's the deal. You gotta, you gotta stop figuring out all the tech and get us some air. <laughs> I don't care Put about live. On the tech. I don't care about live streaming no more. I gotta have some air. I gotta breathe. <laughs> um, 
Got some great texts. Uh, John from Lexington, South Carolina, said that last story about the Wagner Group. He says the Wagner Group had 300 operatives get smoked by an SF, a special forces team, during the Syrian Civil War. That's, that's okay. He said, also believe they suffered significant casualties earlier last year and are now dependent upon foreign untrained forces. Believe the articles can be found on the Longworth Journal. I will look for the Longworth Journal. John, thank you much for that. I appreciate it. If you have a link to that story, go ahead and send it to me. Um, so uh, Steve from Madison says, uh, DOD was waiting for the NDAA to pass. The decision will come soon regarding, I would think, regarding uh, what he's talking about is Space Command coming to Huntsville. I think so, too. The NDAA, though, is like weeks old, and uh, there's still nothing that would keep this from happening. The NDAA may have some policy written into it. By and large, it's budgetary, and they knew what the budget was going to be. So I really think this is uh, just a matter of they don't want to pull the trigger. They want to they want to. They want to just hopefully let this thing kind of happen quietly. Anyway, we'll see. Steve from Madison, thanks for the text, man. Um, Michael from Taft, Tennessee, uh, with regards to that story I was had a minute ago about federal contractors uh, being, you know, the, the Fifth Circuit stepping up for them on the vaccine mandate, says the court just said, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I may have um, to wear my hat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tony from Piedmont said Chai Coms, maybe. And that, yep, that's, that's, here you go. Um, Hey, listen, before we end the show, I got to tell you, one of our longtime sponsors, in fact, one of our, our, our permanent sponsors who's been with us since the very beginning of this show is ZLA Solutions. If you are looking for a job right now, let me just tell you, as you're driving home listening to the show, think about this. If you're looking for a job, go to ZLAUSA.com. They've got great jobs posted all over North Alabama, but if you're an employer, needing to fill out the ranks of your workforce. And let me just tell you, ZLA Solutions, that's their bread and butter, man. They can, they can hook you up. They can get the onesies and twosies, the special skills, or the whole shift of people. It doesn't matter. Blue collar, white collar, no collar, they can recruit it. They can do the drug testing, the uh, background checks, all of it for you. They are good at what they do, and they are making a dent in the whole uh, realm of jobs and economy here in North Alabama. Uh, in fact, I need to get uh, Andrew from ZLA on the show again sometime soon to talk about the latest trends. Um, all right, folks. Hey, what an amazing day. Two dippers and a congressman. That sounds like a, that a beginning of a joke. Two <laughs> dippers and a congressman went into a bar. <laughs> all right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. Have an amazing night. We'll see you then.